Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, with more than half a century of award-winning broadcasting experience. It's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks for Ready, Set, Retire. Lori is an award-winning and highly respected senior portfolio manager and investment advisor at Canaccord Genuity. She has been successfully managing retirement portfolios for over two decades. We're here to talk about everything from financial and estate planning to travel, hobbies and health matters, and so much more. Whether you're thinking about your retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, November is Make-A-Will Month. It's a month dedicated to raising awareness to the importance of having a will in place. Creating a will is one of the most important steps in estate planning. A will is the first step in planning your legacy because it serves to speak for you and communicate your wishes after you're gone. But statistics show that about 50% of Canadians don't have a will in place. So we aren't celebrating Make-A-Will Month with much passion, it seems. <laughs> no, like I, I often say, people are not waiting around for their Friday night date with a spouse to discuss their will. So it tends to be pushed off. <laughs> but a will is important. It's so important because it's the document that's really going to direct how your assets uh, should be distributed amongst your loved ones once you're gone. It can help simplify that process and make it easier on your family. And often when I'm speaking to new clients, kind of shyly say, no, I haven't really gotten around to a will yet. And I've heard that so many times and, and it's, it's okay. But at some point you're going to have to face the music and get down to business and get that will done because you don't want somebody else making those decisions for you because it may not be what you intended. A will also appoints executors for the estate, the person who's responsible to oversee how your will is carried out. And without a will, your estate can become really disorganized and it can be a stressful task for the ones you love. So that is the motivation to get passionate about Make-A-Will Month, John. Well, today on Ready, Set, Retire, we will discuss the importance of having a will and how to discuss estate planning with your loved ones. We'll talk about how a will can help ensure a smooth transition of wealth and uh, how to get started on your will and estate planning. And also, we'll tell you how to talk to your family and loved ones about your legacy. So let's start with the basics, Lori. Uh, what is a will and why is it so important to have one in place? As I was saying, a will is a legal document that directs how your assets should be distributed once you're gone. It appoints executors for the estate, the person who's responsible to oversee how your will is carried out. You can designate a guardian for any minor children, which is extremely important. And again, it ensures a smooth transition of assets from your estate to your heirs. And it determines how your assets will be distributed because you really want to put some thought into that process. I mean, some have a very simple will, you know, goes to spouse and divided amongst the two kids 50-50. Other families are much more unique and more complex. And, you know, you have to put some blood, sweat and tears into creating your will. There's also the idea of saving taxes, right? I mean, that's, again, why you're looking at your overall financial or estate plan to really figure that out. So it's important to have a financial plan 
even before you get going on your will, in my opinion. I think one of the things that really jumps out is what happens if you don't have a will and you pass away. So get into that a bit. Yeah, if you die without a valid will, this is known as intestate and can carry some major consequences for your estate. Provincial rules and laws may override whatever it is you were wishing or hoping. And if your will isn't valid, the assets of the will can be divided according to rules set out by the province you reside in. And that can vary greatly. For example, for the share of your assets that a spouse is entitled to, versus other family members. And you have to think of common law. Also think about ex-wives and husbands, as well as children, as well as stepchildren, right? And so you want to make sure that you are aware of what those provincial rules and what could happen to you if you die intestate. Uh, You may have unintended executors. In BC, if there's no executor to an estate, eligible people can apply to the BC Supreme Court for a grant of administration. If successful, they will be named as administrator and they're able to manage and distribute the estate. So again, you don't want to leave it up to the family member that you didn't get along with to (laughs) actually end up distributing your assets. I mean, that is not a good long-term plan. No. So if you don't have a will in place, you forfeit the opportunity to outline how you would like your assets to be distributed to your beneficiaries upon your passing. Those are really important things to keep in mind if you don't have a will at all at this point. So what happens to your beneficiaries or how are they affected if you pass away and you don't have a will? Taxes, for one, John. There's more efficient tax planning that one can do while they're alive than once they're gone. So there could be a bigger tax bill that could have been avoided if some planning was done beforehand. A longer settlement period, for sure. It generally takes longer to settle an estate if there's no will in place. And this makes it difficult for intended beneficiaries to receive what they were supposed to from the estate. Even if you're passing on real estate and so on, you know, it might take months or years even for them to acquire what they were supposed to or you intended them to get in the first place. Therefore, delaying, you know, if they wanted to sell a property, that sort of thing, you know, their hands are tied basically until it's distributed, which again, will take longer if you don't have a will at all. And if you already have a will in place, then uh, how often would one update it? Well, if you do have a will in place, review it when there's significant life changes. This isn't something you have to go through quarterly or annually. That's not required. But I do think that there's certain situations where you definitely want to review it and update it. So again, marriage or divorce, big one. Changes to personal relationship may change the beneficiaries named in your will. Uh, Second marriages may also present unique estate planning challenges, as I mentioned. There's a birth of a, a grandchild. That could also be something that you may want to update in your will. So those types of situations or selling a business, uh, selling a big piece of property, that also may require updating. It may or may not. And again, that's just important to bring up to your financial advisor or a lawyer just to, again, see, you know, is this a reason that I need to update? And update isn't as costly as creating a whole new will. So just keep that in mind, too. If you're just changing a name here or there, that shouldn't be an issue at all. So don't think of it as a big ordeal that you got to, again, review annually. Only when life changes happen, 
and it may not take a lot of time and it may not be costly either. So again, you want to think like that. So as you go through different stages in life, you're ready to update your will when needed. When you talk about creating headaches, I know a person whose uh, husband passed away. He had a business. He had several properties. He had property in Greece. He had uh, family members who were not kindly disposed toward his wife. And so without a will, this turned into an absolute nightmare for her. And I mean nightmare in terms of getting lawyers, getting lawyers in Greece, getting uh, accountants, getting all the property assessed. I mean, it was just a nightmare. In fact, I still don't know if it's been settled yet. So it really does make a big difference to get it written down and done officially. Yeah, you know, we've seen so many different situations where somebody contests the will as well. And you just want to make sure that you have it. your I's are dotted, your T's are crossed, trusts are created if needed to protect your loved ones, that sort of thing. And that all starts with a conversation and open communication with your advisor. And so you mentioned when a will should be updated. What about changes in your financial situation, whether you start or wind down a business? What happens in those cases? Yeah, starting or winding down a business is an important one. And also, if you have business partners, I would say, that's also something to think about. In some provinces, a secondary or corporate will may be an important part of estate planning. I've been in many meetings with lawyers and I've heard them talk about this, that it might be wise to have two separate wills, one for your business, one personal. And even though that could be more costly, it might just save uh, everyone a headache and some money later on. So that's important. If you sell a business, it's a major change to your assets too. So you want to incorporate that and update your will based on your new sort of asset structure. Things change when you sell your business. Now you may have more in a non-registered account that may well be in joint with a spouse. So that's fine. But again, you want to think about what would happen if it was in joint and something happened to you and your spouse. So you want to make sure that when you're updating your will for the long term, that you're making adjustments that take care of any issues in the future. Buying a home or a large asset, planning can help ensure that these assets are distributed as intended And I would also mention here the idea of when a family has sort of a cabin or a cottage that has been there for family use for a long time. This is always a hard one I find in the will because sometimes there's kids who want that property and sometimes there's kids who don't want that property. And so what's going to happen at the end of your days when the kids are kind of arguing, They one wants the money out of that vacation property and the other kid wants to keep the property because of emotional ties, for example. So that's something that with open communication within a family can be discussed. And there's always a solution. But again, we want to work through those problems with clients to figure out, again, the best way to approach a situation like that. These days, you can make a will. I mean, many different ways. You can go to a lawyer. You can even go online and there are do-it-yourself kits. So what are your thoughts on using those kinds of services? Well, there's many ways to go about drafting and creating a will. I think in BC here, you can write it on a napkin, have two signatures, and there's your will. But not something I would suggest. I think that paying a professional, a lawyer, to look at your overall situation, I think is really important, especially if you have a lot of assets, whether it's property, whether it's business, whether it's RSP, whatever it might be, you really want someone to have an overview of your entire situation so that they can provide you proper legal advice. There's many important provincial and federal legal standards that must be met. It must be specific and include all your assets. And there can be no errors on the forms, which is a big one. 
if those standards aren't met, your will may be invalid. And so that's something you don't want to have happen. If you've even gone to the degree of trying to do it yourself, you want it to be valid. You want these are your wishes. You want those assets to be distributed as you intended. So seeking the expertise of a lawyer ensures that you're going to meet those requirements and avoid the unnecessary and significant costs of possible litigation and things like that. You want to protect the ones you love. You want to try to save taxes where possible. And you want those assets to be transitioned efficiently to your beneficiaries. And I feel um, it's very important to hire a lawyer, a wills and estate lawyer, someone who specializes in that area to help you and your family. And, and again, involve your financial advisor. Like I said, I'm often sitting in those meetings. We have a financial planner. Uh, again, do that plan ahead of time so that we can take a look at your estate. What are the assets you're going to be distributing after you've had fun spending it in retirement? Those are things we want to talk about. What about the difference, or what are the differences, between using, say, a notary public and a lawyer? Using a lawyer that is really up to date on family law as well as tax in BC and in Canada, I think for the extra added money, I think it's worth it to use a lawyer. But if it's a very simple standard will, then a notary could do as well. Not everybody has a complex situation. But again, in my professional opinion, I think using a lawyer is still best. Well, even in the most open families, conversations that involve death and money can be exceedingly difficult. So uh, what should we consider? What do we need to think about when we're uh, going to have these estate planning conversations with our loved ones? Well, be mindful on timing. So a family emergency or crisis can bring the importance of estate planning to the forefront, of course, but it may not be the best time to start planning because, again, you're so involved in what's happening with that loved one that it sometimes is hard to think clearly and even have the time to, you know, start sitting down with advisors and lawyers to really get going on this sort of thing. So, again, there's no perfect time to talk about estate planning, but try to pick a time when there's really not much going on in terms of family dynamic or a health crisis. And keep in mind that the subject will sometimes catch your family off guard. If you say, hey, kids, time to discuss the distribution of our assets once we're gone. You know, the kids may look at you a bit shocked and stunned because no one's expecting you to go anywhere at this point. But again, just bring it up that this is the time you want to plan for it, not later on in life, if possible. And then that open communication can be difficult. Every kid is different from the next. And even within your own family, it's surprising to see the difference in terms of some kids prefer to have assets transition to them within time. And some want the cash right away because they want to go buy a house. So it's really important because each kid may be, or beneficiary, I should say, could be someone else besides children, may have a different goal than you even know. So that's why you have to have those conversations. Like I was mentioning, the cottage or the vacation property. Again, one kid may want it, one kid may not want it. And then you have to kind of have that conversation of how you're going to go about it. So there's going to be not just one conversation with your beneficiaries about estate planning. There might be more. And if you're super private, which again, we come across that too, where they don't want anyone to know how much they have or what they're distributing, then you can keep that conversation at a high level instead of getting down into the details. And sometimes bringing in an advisor or lawyer into that meeting makes that conversation that much easier. So when should you involve family in the conversations? I know communication can be iffy in some instances, but generally speaking, when do you involve the family in the talk? 
Well, I would say as, as soon as you're thinking about creating that will and probably after you've done a financial plan. So somewhere in the middle there, right? You want to get that financial estate plan so you know what you're working with. And then as you're going to the lawyer before you're letting your family know that you want to kind of discuss how you're going to be planning for this going forward. Because when parents have an idea, you know, they could go set up a trust, for example, and maybe that adult child doesn't need a trust, or maybe they want to do it privately because they may not like the spouse of their adult child. Uh, We see that often. They want to protect the assets for their grandchildren. So they may need to create a trust. Well, that could be an uncomfortable conversation with your child if they didn't know that you don't like their spouse. (laughs) So there's things that you may want to be open about. There's things that you may not be comfortable with. And that's okay too. That's why you have a lawyer. They're going to keep everything close and they're not going to be, even if they sit in in a meeting with your family, they're well aware that there's things that they should or should not be saying or asking. So bring your family in as you're comfortable, but talk about maybe not the amount of assets if you're not comfortable about that, but just the different kind of buckets that you have and what the plans could be going forward. So I think as soon as you're ready to create that well, or you're thinking about updating it, that might be the time. And again, if you're, you know, in your 70s, 80s, 90s, I find that the older one gets, the more open they become because they're going, okay, well, I'm 87 now. So my kids should know how this is going to work. And it would be nice to start that conversation earlier. However, every family is not all rainbows and butterflies. And sometimes people just don't feel comfortable yet. And so just keep the conversation going, but you want to feel comfortable about it. Well, sometimes for people, it's hard to get their own individual finances together, let alone trying to plan across generations and and decades in time. So what are some ways to get started on financial planning as a family. When you're considering your family in your financial plan, which to an extent you should be, you need to consider the needs and wants of your family, whether that's your partner, spouse, young children, adult children, grandchildren. And you want to start by asking yourself, how much do I want to leave in a legacy if I were to leave one? Do I plan on early gifting to any of my loved ones? And if so, is there a specific way I would like to gift? How much will I need to live comfortably in retirement? This is such an important one because it's uh, for most people, it's you first and then whatever's left is left. And that's the way a lot of people are planning nowadays because, well, frankly, life is expensive and you've got kids that are working and they're earning an income and all that kind of stuff. So they can continue doing what they're doing and save for their retirement, just as you have done yours. And also take into account charitable donations. You know, until I actually sit down with clients, there's some people that really have a strong belief in giving back to the community, to various causes, the church, whatever it might be. And for them, that's important. So that also has to be built in to their will. And there might be tax effective ways of giving too. So you want to talk to an advisor about that donating stock that's up rather than cash, for example. That's a big one that you want to make sure that's included in your will. But what things do you have to consider before making a big gift? And I think you kind of touched on it there. You do have to make sure that you have enough money to see you to the end of your day. Yeah, for sure. And when I talk about a big gift, is early gifting to adult children. And a lot of people believe in helping their kids out with their first purchase of real estate, for example. And that can make sense if the real estate market makes sense too. You don't want to be just throwing good money into possibly a deteriorating real estate market at this point too, right? So maybe hold off on that. But if that is your plan, that's okay. But you just got to, again, make sure that we update your financial plan or a financial advisor does update your plan to make sure that 
you were able to afford that. Because if you take a big chunk out of your retirement assets early on in life, that can affect you later on in life. So again, that's something to consider. And so how can a financial advisor help with the transition of wealth? Well, the best way to plan for a successful transition is to ensure both you and your beneficiaries have a solid relationship with the advisor. Some people have their own will and estate lawyer. Some people don't. So we're often referring. So when I talk about that team of professionals, again, financial planner, lawyer, accountant, financial advisor, all of them are important to be talking to each other and understanding those goals that you have for when you turn into an angel at some point or you and your spouse. Having those professionals in your lives are really important to, again, direct and assess and make sure, again, you have everything organized so that your family doesn't have to stress about it when something does happen to you or something abruptly happens to you. Because that's when I see people scrambling a bit, trying to get things in order. And somebody could be in the hospital, for example, John, and it's very difficult. I mean, I had a lawyer once go to a hospital to get a will signed. That's not when you want to be doing the planning. You have your health to focus on or your spouse's health or whoever it may be. And so you just want to make sure you're planning early and looking at it, reviewing your will at different stages in life. Should one of those bigger situations make a change for you, then you want to make sure your will is updated as well to reflect that, reflect what you intend and reflect the wishes you have for your assets. Well, November being Make-A-Will Month, it is a good reminder for us to get started on a will if you haven't made one yet. And if you already have a will in place, consider if there have been any significant changes in you or your family's life to warrant an update. Estate planning may not be a popular topic, but taking the necessary steps to ensure your estate is distributed the way you choose is very important. Yeah, definitely, John. You know, family financial planning is something everyone should invest time into as the will or the planning will benefit more than just yourself. It's going to benefit your beneficiaries. A well-executed estate plan can help to reduce the taxes that your family is going to pay and expenses of an estate and keep more in your family's pockets. So again, this is why it's so important when creating your will and uh, making sure that you have one because not having a will is not a good idea. And so you do want to take those few hours or days to start and or update the current will that you have so that everything is organized should anything happen. All right. As we head to uh, wrapping up this edition of Ready, Set, Retire, we always have a quote at the end. So what have you found for us this week? There's no harm in hoping for the best as long as you are prepared for the worst. And who said that? Stephen King. <laughs> Which I thought was well. Funny. He should. He should. <laughs> given his imagination, he should know a lot about uh, planning for the worst and wondering what's over the next yeah, hill. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's very good. Always great to talk to you. Uh, we will do this again in a couple of weeks. Until then, uh, take care. Sounds good, John. Thanks. Have a great couple of weeks, and look forward to talking to you again. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening, and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.
The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity's research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and I rock.